What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you and your walk with Jesus and your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God our Father desires for you to be. If you're a first-time listener, I want to encourage you to send me your own questions, your comments, your critiques from this show and for future episodes, as well as rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats so that other people can find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, then potentially it could become a gift for other people as, as well. On today's show, we have a special guest, one of my very good friends, Dr. Mario Sacasa, um, in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, uh, the host of the amazing podcast, Always Hope, is our special guest. And he's just a guru when it comes to relationships, when it comes to dating, when it comes to, to, to things that um, I can only scratch the surface on, but he can go really deep into those areas of life. So he's going to share his wisdom with us on topics dealing with guilt and natural family planning, pornography, marital pleasure um, in the sexual act, and also dealing with our um, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, sexual past, their history that preceded us in our relationship with them. So stay tuned for those amazing topics. But before we get into those uh, topics, we're going to share a glory story. So my glory story this week comes from some time I got to spend with my, my brother priest recently. We were out celebrating our anniversaries of our ordination. I make five years this year. And they made uh, four years. And so we're, we're having this dinner together. And, and one of them shared something with me that just pierced my heart. And I almost cried, but I didn't. But I could have cried. And I, I told myself, um, I'm going on silent retreat next week. And so I told myself when I'm on silent retreat, if it comes up, I'm open to crying then. But I'm just too busy to cry right now. But it was really cool. So my buddy told me, he said, hey, so I have something to share with you that my mom told me that she heard from her friend about your daddy. And I was like, uh-oh, what you heard about my daddy, right? Because don't be talking about my daddy now. But it was, it was good news. So basically what had happened was is a number of years ago, maybe 40-plus years ago, my dad, when he was a cop, was at the bank one day, and he was shot in the back of the head uh, by this guy who wanted to rob the bank. And so the guy was like point blank, shot him in the back of the head. And it's miraculous because the bullet hit my daddy in his head, and it ricocheted off his head, hit the bank teller in her temple, and both my dad and the woman survived who got hit by the bullet. bullet. So my dad then fell to the ground, got up, thought somebody punched him and said, what happened? They said, sir, you've been shot. So he chased the guy. And I think he was able to get a bullet in the guy's tush. Um, and the guy got away and got to Chicago, got caught in Chicago, came back. And he's been in Angola ever since. And so he's been in Angola for all these years. And recently, my dad got a letter saying, hey, this guy is up for parole. We just wanted to let you know in case you want to um, fight against it. And uh, so my dad went to court, and uh, the guy, it seemed as if he wasn't you know, going to get off. And, and my dad stood up on his behalf and said, look, I forgive this guy. This man, he, he shot me so many years ago, and I just want you to know, sir, I forgive you. And if I could forgive him, I don't see why y'all can't forgive him as well. He's done his time in prison. I think y'all should let him go. Now, I knew that part of the story. So my dad told me that part of the story, and that's where he stopped. What my buddy Father Brad told me was the rest of the story, which is my dad then went on to say, um, because after I survived that gunshot wound, eventually I received one of the, one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten from God, which is my son, Josh. And I'm, I'm able to be, my, that's my son, and I'm able to be his father. And And, and just when he said that, and I just, I was like, wait, what? My dad said that in court? And he said, yeah, he said it at court. It's like documented. You can, you can probably look it up. It's, it's record. And so I um, I just was like, my heart was pierced. I was like, my dad? I, and I know my dad loves me. He's told me that. But it, the fact that he said that in court is like, 
Anyways, mine was blown, heart was shattered, and I was just like, oh, man, shoot, I can cry right now. But I didn't. So when I go on silent retreat, maybe I'll cry with the Lord. But it is something about the Father's blessing. You can um, cry on your podcast, can't you? I can't. Yeah, let's, um, let's just go back to that memory right now and see if it comes up. Uh, yeah, but no, but the Father's blessing is so powerful. I remember uh, years ago, uh, Mario, I didn't introduce you yet, but hey, Mario's on the show. What's oh, up, hey. Dr. Mario? Hi, everybody. Nice what, to meet you. What up, dog? He's, he's one of my best friends and just a good, good guy. And, um, but my, years ago when I was in seminary, my dad called me one day, left me a voicemail. And did something similar. He just left me a voice, and I was like, hey, Josh, I just want you to know I love you very much, and I'm so proud to be your dad. And that day, I I kind of got into some, not trouble, but like some issues with somebody in formation or whatever came up, and they had a different perspective than I had on a certain thing or whatever. And they let me know that they were disappointed in me. And honestly, God, truth, I was like, I don't care. Wow. My daddy loves me. Yeah, My, I got the father's blessing, so it's cool. We'll get over it, you know? And uh, that's not the best attitude they have as far as, you know, respect with um, superiors. But at the same time, the father's blessing, it dictated the way that I received um, that that those words from the people that I received them from. So anyways, it's all good. Dude, awesome. Yeah, right? Awesome, Crazy. Man. Relationships. How long did you hold on to that, uh, that, that voicemail? Oh, for a, a, I might still have it actually. I was going to say there, there, there's a few voicemails I have saved. Um, my mom has sent me some beautiful ones as well in the past, um, and yeah, so that, that might still be on there right now if my phone didn't delete it yet. What so. a great glory story, man! Yeah, Thanks man, for sharing that. God bless you. Shout out to my dad. Man. Shout out to your dad and my mom. My mom's and awesome mom too. Also. She, she, I love her and she loves me and uh, and yeah, just and yeah, and my whole family, my siblings too. My dad loves all my siblings, by the way. He loves everybody. Uh, but, but court documents show only, but I got the only, shot. Only, only you are recorded. But on documentation, you know, <laughs> your, your boys. Uh, <laughs> so, so if your siblings ever ask, who's the favorite? If I ever get thrown to a ditch, right, like Joseph did, and it's, that's my fault because I didn't keep my mouth shut of the Father's blessing, right? Um, but no, that's the glory story. And before we get to today's topics, I have a few follow-up feedback from previous episodes. Uh, the first one comes in from Cassie. Cassie actually left this voicemail, so I want y'all to check out this voicemail from Cassie. Hey, Father Josh, Cassie here. I was just listening to last week's podcast um, about asking a girl out, and I've heard a lot of different reasons for why a girl should not be the one asking a guy out and why a guy should be the one asking the girl out. And your reason for the fact that it is the more virtuous thing to do because a guy wouldn't want to put a girl in a position to be rejected and instead the guy should take on that position to be potentially rejected is literally the best reasoning I have ever heard for that. So thank you. It is fire. I love it so much. I snapped a lot when I heard it come on. It was awesome. Thank you so much for that. No, praise God, Cash. That is a that's a great glory story. I'm so glad to hear um, that it impacted you that way, especially with virtue and just a man. I'm um, taking that role in the relationship. What a gift. Um, also, we have feedback coming in from Therese. Therese, what a great name. Uh, the very first novena I ever prayed was to Saint Therese. Um, and and I used to go looking for roses too. You know, so it was like I would like when I was driving to school. There's this billboard that had roses. If the ninth day came for the novena and I didn't get a rose yet, I'll drive past that billboard. I'm like, oh, I got my rose. Thanks, Lord. Uh, but Therese says, dear Father Josh. I don't think it works that way. Whatever, bro. <laughs> I, I can manipulate the Holy Spirit. Uh, <laughs> nice try. <laughs> yeah, dear Father Josh, happy Easter. I don't have a question for you right now, but I just wanted to send a note to say thank you for giving of yourself 
and allowing God to work through your podcast. I especially admire how you prayerfully consider the questions that you answer. This is evident in the tone of your voice, the articulation of your words, and the overall joyous nature of your podcast, even when you're discussing heavy topics like the church scandals or other big sins and problems that people are entrusting to you. What a gift you are. By the way, I live in Colorado, but I was born and raised in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, Beaumont, is Beaumont by Houston? Yeah, it's it's right on the border, isn't it? Maybe. I know Galveston. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's on the border of Louisiana. And, Houston, and, and Beaumont, somewhere. Texas, Benz and Lexus. Catch me on the freeway driving reckless. But I'm not driving reckless because I want to obey laws and I want to be a saint and I don't want to sin in that way. But anyways, you say not too far from your neck of the woods. This is true. I enjoy hearing your comments about living in South Louisiana. Uh, please enjoy some crawfish and gumbo for me. Uh, may God bless you abundantly during this Easter season. I will. I will. I, I especially love to get fried crawfish Caesar salad. Have you ever had that fried crawfish? I haven't. Oh, bro. I'm hit or miss with crawfish. Really? Yeah, dude. Sorry. Well, I, I'm not like the biggest crawfish dude. I, mean, I eat it like at, a, at an event, but I'm not going to. But if it's fried, it's different. It's not as dirty. Your fingernails don't get m- nasty. And Yeah, well, they're, they're river roaches, aren't they? They're just bugs. Come on. They're bugs, dude. That's what we're eating. Is that they're, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're bottom feeders. Okay. And well, you're not from Louisiana. That's what no, you're No, I'm not from Louisiana. So you're from My Florida, bad. right? My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Florida, huh? That's it. You got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Florida. Florida, as, as they say. Oh, okay. Hey, Ron. All right. <laughs> Be nice. Timothee. M. Ario. <laughs> uh, and then the, the final uh, feedback comes from Nikki D. Nikki, like Mickey D's. Uh, if you go to McDonald's, uh, hot and spicy all day, every day, dial a menu, bro. All day, that's it. Um, yeah. Father Josh, I just want to say- I'm a Chick-fil-A say, fan myself, though. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, come on, bro. Shout out to Chick-fil-A. On, Shout out to Chick-fil-A. Uh, yeah. They close on Sunday. That's Sundays. my glory story. Is it Chick Fil A? Chick Fil A. Just because it's just just Chick- because it's here. It's yeah. like the eighth day. God gave us Chick Fil A, and they're doing so well because they're closed on Sundays. That's right. They reverence that Sabbath. So, Father Josh, I wanted to say thank you for being Christ in person for us followers of Christ. Uh, the blessing you extended over us through your most recent podcast simultaneously pierced and healed my heart today. Whoa! Praise God. I'm committed to dedicating more intentional time to God every single day from this moment on. Thank you for sharing the Holy Spirit with me today. Aloha from Hawaii. Okay, Nikki, that's so awesome. Praise God. Um, and just by the way, I've always wanted to come to Hawaii. So if you and your parish or if your diocese ever wants to invite me to do something like a mission or like a two-day talk and like invite me for a week, and uh, that'd be great. Me and Dr. Mara would awesome. love to come and we could do like a— We could do a marriage retreat yeah. for your parish out in Hawaii. That'd be it for I'd two— be all over it. For like two days, and then we have two the other days. five days to like prepare our hearts to give that retreat. That's exactly right, because we would need that time for yeah. prayer. It takes me a lot of time to pray. Mother I, Teresa prays so much, and I just want to pray in Hawaii specifically. So make that happen. Well, my friend Chica got a re- recently invited there. Um, to give a, a talk at a parish. And she was like, yeah, I get to go in like three days early and stay three days late. I was like, wait, what? So anyways, shout out to Hawaii. I definitely want to come and chill on your beaches and, and commune with God there, of course. Um, and so that way we can- be I don't think they eat crawfish in Hawaii though. I could, I'll, I'll give up crawfish for Hawaii for sure, 100%. Anyways, that's our that's our feedback. And so uh, stay tuned because we're about to get into today's questions for the show. All right, first question comes in from Maddie. Maddie writes this question about marital pleasure. Maddie says this, uh, other than actual intercourse, is it wrong for married couples to enjoy physical pleasure with each other if they don't intend it to result in intercourse every time? So, Mario, what's up? Yeah, so we just shifted gears, didn't we? We did. We went we, we, from talking about the We had a great Hawaii time talking about Hawaii and, and crawfish and now beautiful glory story, and now we're just jumping right in, man. Jeez, um, Maddie, God bless you. Thank you for your question. What a, what a good, good question. So, 
I'm a marriage counselor, and uh, I am a Catholic therapist who tries to integrate my faith with my work and try to encourage my couples to um, love Jesus, certainly, and, and try to live the church's teachings. And the question you're asking is a, is a really good one, Maddie. Um, bless you and your desires to want to live your faith, because that's really what it comes out of, is, is a sincerity of wanting to try to understand how do I make sense of what the church teaches in living that appropriately within my own life. Um, so I believe that we're speaking about here, um, you know, is it okay to, to, to have some type of um, sexual experience outside of just intercourse? And the, the answer is, well, if we go back to what the church teaches, the, the reality is that um, the unitive and the procreative elements must always be together. And the reason that the two must always be together is because that's really what the intention of the sexual act is. It's not just orgasm. And the, the idea that sex is just orgasm really kind of comes out of a, a modern age that has separated a contraceptive age, a pornographic age, that has separated those two arms, those two pillars of both the unitive and the procreative. And so while certainly as a couple, you want to have a lot of fun, you want to share the joys of your married life, you want to be able to express yourself and have freedom both in the bedroom and out the bedroom, the, 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 the truth is that we want to always try to uphold that the sexual embrace um, maintains both of those elements, the unitive and the procreative, okay? And so to have uh, any sort of deliberate intention to achieve orgasm outside of the full embrace there uh, would certainly be sinful. Um, and and that's, that's just very clear. Um, so couples sometimes are encouraged to have periods of abstinence, um, whether then sometimes if you follow the natural family planning, if you're in a state where you're not able to conceive or have children right now, that you want to be able to, um, to abstain during the fertile periods, that certainly is, is, is an opportunity that's there. Um, the other thing that I would say is that... You know, when you talk about the question specifically is, is physical pleasure. Um, now, couples should have a wide ar array of um, physical contact that isn't just sexual either. And so you want to be able to, to have freedom across the whole board of, of physical uh, intimacy. Now, that means can you hold hands together? Can, can you just kiss? Can you snuggle? Can you sit on the couch together? Not everything has to lead towards sex. Because the freedom that that, that gives um, means that couples can, can express their intimacy um, across the full spectrum of physical contact and not just looking at everything as, as having the end of always having to be orgasm or, or sex. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about as well, like just even dancing and like finding fun things to do, physical things um, that are a gift for the couple to manifest in their bodies what their souls um, desire to share with the other person, you know? Um, and so I think that's a great way to answer the question. So, Matt, if you have a follow-up question um, for that, uh, hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. And if I can't answer it, then I will certainly reach out to Dr. Mario, and we can go deeper with you. Um, if you want to be more specific with your question uh, via email, just let me know, and we'll continue to accompany each other and walk with each other. Um, but, yeah, it's the, the, the goal is, is to, to really um, grow in intimacy with your spouse, um, but also to make sure that your spouse is helping you to grow in a deeper intimacy with, with Christ. Um, and so let's just be saints in our walk toward eternity. Our next question comes in from a confused girlfriend, and I, I absolutely love this question. Um, uh, she says this, How am I supposed to handle my boyfriend's sexual past, me being a virgin? 
It feels at times like I've been betrayed, even though he didn't know me at the time. I also worry what it would mean for our marriage, not only regarding human insecurities, but lost graces. The secular advice is his past is none of your business, but I feel if we get married, it will be my business. Signed, a confused girlfriend. And I'm super excited about this question because um, Mario recently was at LSU. Um, he was at uh, Christ the King, and he, he did a Q&A. Yeah, and right. a similar question came up. Um, uh, but th- this question that came up for that, that Q&A was someone said, I don't want to know anything about my partner's sexual history. Like, I just, I love him for who he is. And Mario said a lot of really great theological, spiritual um, things in his response to her. But he said one very practical thing that I was like, that's very true and very good. And he said, you definitely want to know if your partner has an STD, right? <laughs> like, that's just something that, like, we got to have some conversations about your sexual history at some point you do. in our relationship because, like, I don't want to, you know, and you have to discern, do I want... If, especially if it's a STD that is not going away, like, am I willing to marry somebody who can give me a STD for the rest of my marriage and my life? Correct. Yeah. So I think the question here from the listener, um, confused girlfriend, God bless you again, as, as you wrestle with the reality of, of sin and, and learning what it means to, to love somebody who is not perfect. And that is what you're asking here is how do I, how do I love my boyfriend who has a, who has a history? So first and foremost, I would say, Honor your heart. Um, honor the fact that you are grieving, and that there is an experience of of an injustice that I think is valid. And not to blame or to condemn your boyfriend in any way. Certainly, we we all have our history, but there is a part that should he have waited for you as you have been trying to wait for him. The answer is yes, of course. Um, and so the the grieving within your heart that you experience, I think, is is absolutely valid, and you want to be able to bring that to the Lord, bring that to prayer, and then be able to talk to Him about it, so that you can process that and deal with that. So you're not bringing that into your relationship. Then you're not just trying to stuff that and pretend it's not there or ignore it. You actually want to deal with that in a way that's healthy, so that you can reconcile your heart to the reality of the circumstance, and then being able to extend that forgiveness and be merciful towards your boyfriend, and and to be able to love. Them. Now, you want to be sure in the context of this and when to bestow mercy and forgiveness on people's past transgressions is, I'm assuming the way that you've written it, that he's had a conversion and he's he's trying to live p- chastely and trying to live pure now. And so just being sure that he's resolved to the, the values that you have also and to the desire to want to live from now forward in a pure fashion. And if that is the case, then then that sounds like a guy that, that you want to be connected to and you want to love him. And so grieve, grieve uh, offer mercy, offer forgiveness, understand what it means then to love somebody who is an imperfect human being. This is a hard reality of living in a fallen world that, that none of us come into this, into a marriage perfectly or, or squeaky clean anymore. So, so that's that. The, the second piece, though, that, that um, confused girlfriend that you spoke about here that I think is, is really important is about what implications this is going to have within my marriage. Are there lost graces was the word that you used. So first, I want to say, no, there are no lost graces here. Jesus Christ came and died for our sins, died for your boyfriend's sins, died for my sins, died for your sins, and then rose again 
so that your boyfriend, me, and you, and all of humanity can have the opportunity to live within the fullness of the grace of the resurrection. There are no lost graces, as long as we turn our hearts to Jesus and try to commit ourselves to live the life that he asks us to live. Grace has not been lost. But the question you're asking, what I'm assuming here, is what implications this is going to have within marriage. My presumption, and you can always email me and tell me if I'm wrong with this, is a question of comparison. What does it mean then um, to to be physically intimate with my boy, with if he becomes your husband and you get married, to be physically intimate, sexually active with him, and he's my first, but I'm not his first. Is there a place of comparison? Am I doing it as well as these other women from his past? Okay, I'm presuming because this is the questions that I've heard within counseling that this is what you're asking. So if that is the case, and my presumption is right, my encouragement to you is to let that comparison go. There's a place where you're, you, you can't compare a sinful act, which is what fornication is, to the marital act, which is the fullness of the, 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 it's a consummating act of the love that you will have with your husband. And the two are not the same. So even if the techniques or the behaviors or whatever it is, all of that, we can speak about that in a different way. But the, but the reality is that the experience of sexual intimacy that you will experience with your husband is something that is absolutely unique and special and unrepeatable, and it will be the culmination of a love that is true and real and valid and holy. And that is the gift that the two of you will be able to create something new and distinct that is separate from the past because you cannot compare something that is holy and then something that is not. So God bless you as you struggle with that, but but march forward with courage and recognize that you will have the opportunity to create something new and special with your husband regardless of what his past is. Dr. Mar, do you have any specific um, tools that can help someone um, to shy away from the comparison, right, to, to, to turn away from that, that potential vice of envy almost or in, in, in taking our eyes off of what is Well, I now. think there's envy or probably just a sense of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to—okay, so with this specifically, listen, the wedding night is not the best sex night of your life. That's, oh, that, yeah. That's and the lie. Just as okay? a priest, right, because I've never yeah. been married before outside of marriage to the church, but I hear it all the time from couples I walk with. Yeah. Like, it's so awkward for Honeymoon them. Honeymoon is it's, awkward. It's, yeah, and just to, to be okay with that. You got a whole lifetime to figure each other's bodies out. That's exactly and figure, right. Um, the relationship and so that's out. the key is that you have a whole lifetime of figuring out each other's bodies, each other's rhythms, um, each other's movements, what pleasures, what, what doesn't. And those type of conversations are the things that are going to speak towards someone's insecurity that they have in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So being honest, that's why these conversations are so important to start having now. Yeah, while you're So you dating. can talk about each other's sexual past. You can speak about these things and start getting over some of the discomfort of talking about sex. Yeah. Because we have such a hard time talking about sex in, in, in our culture. And when is an appropriate time like, for someone to begin to have those conversations about sexual history and things first like date. that? Joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> that's, a, that's, not, that's not a first date conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, right no, no. I think that's the next question that we'll go into. It's not an appropriate first date conversation. <laughs> no, no. When when is it appropriate? Well, I mean, it, after you've been dating for a while, you're discerning this guy. Yeah. And and if you like him and you think you want to try to consider like his dating isn't isn't just like for fun, right? It's not supposed to be just yeah. recreational. We're not supposed to gamify somebody's emotions and just yeah. you know, it dating is it has an intention to it. And the intention is, is this the person I'm supposed to marry? Mm-hmm. And and you're asking that question all the way through. And so once things you feel that that he's checked enough boxes and has 
uh, and he is a viable option, well then, you know, as yeah. you're kind of growing in intimacy and growing in responsibility for the other person in connection with the other person and safety and comfort, well then that's when you want to start getting to some of these more deeper conversations uh, about each other's past. And it, my advice to people always is as we have those deeper conversations and things come to the light that might be really messy, um, it's really important that we are, are still incorporating the practice of taking advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation so that we can, on a on a very consistent basis, receive God's mercy yeah. uh, for ourselves. Absolutely. So that way we can extend that mercy to other people whenever we are confronted with their brokenness and their mess. It's like, wait a minute, the Lord was so generous with me. He was so merciful. How can I not extend mercy to this person who I'm walking with whenever the Lord has been, I mean, so good to me. So one of my, my favorite readings is from St. John Chrysostom on uh, his commentary on Ephesians. Have you read that before? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, Keep going. It's Golden so time. good. But he just he goes over Ephesians and how husbands love your wives as Christ of the church. But he, he breaks it down. And it, when was he around? It was like it's like the third century, fourth century. Yeah, so he's it's like, like a, super like, old school. I think like a quarter of the greatest saints all lived in like the third or fourth century. Just, just like, like the like, best music came out in the nineties as well. That's exactly right. right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So like, what nineties <laughs> song comes to your mind when I said the best nineties music right now? I mean, we are talking about you know marital intimacy, and so boys to men comes to mind. Yeah. And <laughs> do you want to do you want to sing it right now for us at all? No, nah, we're good. We're okay, good. We're good. <laughs> you can lead the way. You got no, it. No, but but Saint John Chrysostom when he writes about about marriage uh, and, and just like the the real purpose of like the spousal love between the husband and the wife and how, how they, they are, are able to walk with each other. He says one thing in there. He says, a husband can never complain about his wife, he says, because no matter what she does against him, we have done infinitely worse against Christ. And look what Christ did for us. A wife should never complain. Now, he doesn't mean we should never like complain, complain. You, you can certainly like, you know, call it people's faults for, for growth. But he was saying as far as like brooding, because no matter what we do to each other, we have all done so much worse to our Savior. And he's been so good to us. And so if God has been so good to us and we're receiving that goodness from the Lord, then we have an obligation to share that with with the people that we're walking with um, in all their mess. Um, again, and, that does not mean say, that we yeah, have That doesn't mean that and, we don't have boundaries yes. or that, that we don't then talk about complaints yes. or struggles that we have. That doesn't mean that you just suck it up, buttercup, and right. you know, deal with life and never say anything Because Jesus certainly to talked to Peter, yeah. right? After Peter betrayed him three times, like him asking him, do you love me three times, was having a conversation about, all right, Peter, like, you know, you did betray me, right? Now, three times, let's, let's go there, right? There, there was a specific... Um, conversation that the Lord did have with Peter, but you know there's there's this this notion of the more we receive, the more we can we can give to the other person, and the less we're spending time with God in prayer, the less we're going to act like God, the less we're going to show His mercy. Amen. Um, so there's a, a a really really strong conviction that we should all have to immerse ourselves in the interior life, so that we can um, really walk with people wherever they're at and their walk toward eternity. All right, so uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll even sing a couple songs with each other um, about relationships, about love, about um, NFP, maybe. I don't know. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a song about NFP, but we could... Uh, Whole New World? You want to sing Aladdin? Oh, dude, let's do it. So we'll be doing... I'll, I'll do the male part. You can do Jasmine's part. It'll Sounds great. great. All Sounds right, great. stay tuned. We'll be back. Every one of us is made in the image of God. We are unique, worthy of love, and called to greatness. In this world, though, we can be distracted from that truth and begin to doubt God's love is real. 
You see, we live in a world that tells us we are not smart, attractive, thin, or rich enough. It is easy to focus on the ways we fall short of worldly perfection and forget that we are already made perfect. We are already enough. I'm Danielle Bean, author of You Are Enough, what women of the Bible teach you about your mission and worth. You Are Enough dives into the stories of women in the Bible so that you can fully see God's plan for your life. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, record a voice note, send it to me as well. We will play it on a future show. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the show. And also, don't uh, forget to check out Mario's podcast, Always Hope. It can be found on pretty much every single podcast format that Ask Father Josh is on. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal show. Mario, you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, man, I appreciate the plug. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's a show um, about how to find God's goodness in the midst of the challenges of life. And the virtue of hope, I believe, is a virtue that's misunderstood. It's something that I think we, we have to work towards because life is hard. And so the show is an opportunity for me to bring guests, uh, theologians, artists, psychologists, priests. I've had Father Josh on the show to talk about his beautiful book, Broken and Blessed, uh, just to be able to find answers to the challenges and, and how do we make sense of some of the struggles that are there. So. That's what the show's about, man. It's great. Y'all should definitely check it out. It's one of my favorites I listen to. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but yours is one I consistently listen to. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, I always let them know when I when something speaks to me on this podcast. So, Amen. Next question um, comes in from Anonymous, um, and it's about pornography. And uh, I think we can all just agree right now, pornography is one of the most serious plagues that is affecting our yeah, culture. Yeah, this is a great um, question. This is a very real question. I'm sure there's probably... A million people yeah. would have asked this question. So many people, you know, struggle. Anyway, so here's the question: How do you deal with porn in a relationship? And by that, I mean, it hurts to get months into a relationship with someone who is quite wonderful, and then find out that he struggles with a porn problem. But mortal sins are also not a first date topic. Now, though I've heard some say you shouldn't date someone who has this problem, I don't find myself able to act on that advice or even able to find a guy who doesn't struggle with this. On the other hand, it makes a relationship so hard to maintain when you know you're so, uh, what your soul is looking at is other girls, and it makes you feel like your relationship is a lie, or maybe you're not worth very much. It puts distance and mistrust between you, and it doesn't help much to know logically that you're valuable when you feel like you're not. I don't want to tell him never to talk with me about this, but because I, I don't want to pretend it's not happening, but I also don't want to hear about it because it hurts so much. I don't want to leave because I regret it. And as I said, the next guy will probably be dealing with the same thing anyway. I petitioned St. Jude for intercession because this seems so hopeless. What is a girl or a guy to do? And I'm glad you said what is a girl or a guy to do because in my walk, um, pornography is not um, just for guys, uh, so many women struggle yeah. with pornography addictions as well. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's becoming more. I've only been a priest for five years, so I've only been walking with people for five years in this addiction. Um, so, but at least in my f- five years of priesthood, I see it across the board for guys and for girls as Agreed. a common struggle uh, that people that people have right now. So yeah, yeah, dude, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> so talking about hope, right? Always hope. 
unfortunately, like she's right. <laughs> I mean, the reality is the numbers just support her intuition that the vast majority of men are are dealing with this in some capacity. And that's just the reality. So um, dating guys, the question then becomes, um, well, she's asked a few things here. So how committed should you be to a guy who struggles with porn? I think that that has to be taken on a case-by-case basis because it really depends on how committed the guy is to his own recovery. Amen. All right? So we can talk about this in both men and women, but this is a woman asking the question, so we're going to speak about it as a woman, how to handle this with, with, with a guy. We're just going to make it simple for us and talk about it in that way. So for, for um, Anonymous here, uh, thank you for your question again. God bless you, and we'll be praying for you and your own struggle and discernment with this issue. But I would say it really does, as I said, it, it really depends on, on your boyfriend and how committed is he to his own recovery. The, there are just so many great resources available for this struggle right now. So as ubiquitous as the problem is, we have resources that are available. And so is he committed to getting help? Is he doing Strive 21 or Amen. Reclaim or Fortify? Is he involved in September Group? Is he reading the books? Is he meeting with a counselor? Is he meeting with a spiritual director? And not just kind of haphazardly or, you know, just kind of touch and go, but like, is he really committed to his own recovery? And if he's really committed to his own recovery and really doing the work, well, then again, just like with the previous question, that then is a guy that you can kind of hang your hat on. That's a guy who's trying to get better. Um, so what to do with your own struggles with this? Well, the question then is if he, if so one, if he's really committed and really doing the work that he needs to do, how much do you want to be involved with that? That's a very personal question that kind of every woman has the, the, the freedom to answer that on their own. Do you want to know every time that he falls? I, I'm not sure. I mean, that, that, that really is a question for you. Do you want to know what he's looking at? Again, I'm not sure. That, that's really up to you. I, I, I would say that there's a place where certain details should not be shared um, because if there is something like a fetish or something going on, then, then that, that, can, that can be really kind of problematic within your own experience of whatever that issue is, of something that Father Sean Kilcally spoke about in one of my episodes with, um, with this issue about pornography, how to deal with it in relationships. So I do think that there's a place where you do want to know to some degree what's happening, but I don't think that you have to know all the details um, of, of what, is, what is occurring there. So giving him freedom and recognizing then the same thing that, like we said with, with earlier with comparison, that, that certainly there's a place where this is his struggle. And so you got to give him freedom there. Resist any, any sort of saving or codependency tendencies that there might be uh, to have to protect him or to have to save him from this. So if, if that's there, again, I'm not sure if that's your situation, certainly doing your own work um, to, to go to groups or to have the support that you need um, to be able to process whatever pain that you're experiencing um, uh, in, in a group. I would also say share with him what the pain is because if you share with him what the struggle is, he can then see that this struggle isn't just a fantasy, that this isn't, this isn't something that's just between him and the machine, that this actually has implications on people close to him, um, which would be you in, 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 in this circumstance. Um, so encouraging him to, to get his help and for you also to get your help um, and to just have some, some healthy boundaries while at the same time, uh, you know, giving, giving freedom uh, and, and mercy and being patient with him. If you find that he is not growing and he is not making any real progress uh, with this issue, then again, this is why we date. Dating, you have the freedom to break up with somebody as we're dating. You're not married yet. You haven't made a vow. You haven't made a covenant. We're only dating at this point. And so if you do want to break up with him because this becomes too much for you, then you do have freedom to, to be able to to do that as well. 
and going forward, so say if, if this relationship does not work out, she meets a new guy, um, how soon should she bring up pornography in her relationship with the new guy? Um, again, it's not something you start talk about the right out of the gates, but I mean... Because it's important. Sooner. I mean, it's, it's really it's important. So important. It's important. Yeah, I mean, sooner rather than later, you kind of want to be talking yeah. about whether or not it's a struggle. Um, you know, this issue, man, it's 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 wrecking us. It's 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 messing with us because the other thing that I want to say here with her is a place where where this will come out is when the two of them are are probably struggling physically. And if they're hanging out late at night, you're watching the movie, and then you're trying to you know snuggle or whatever, and then maybe some lines get crossed. If there's a place inside of you, and women can pick this up and have good intuition about it, where they feel that they're being used by their significant other, which is what S-O means. So I, I, I thought it was so capitalized when I first read it, but it's actually oh. significant other. Oh, so, nice. so I'm cool. I got it. I figured it yeah, out. You got that slang. Yeah. I got it, dude. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Um, and so if 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 she is um, feels that she's being used by him or that he's trying to impose something that he's seen on the videos and trying to bring that into the relationship – have the courage, have the conviction to say no and to stop. And then to point that out to him and to tell him that I'm not a piece of meat and, and you're not just going to lust over me or you're not going to treat me or expect to get out of me the things that you see um, on TV or on your phone or whatever it is yeah. or wherever, wherever you're accessing it. So that would be a real place where where this could be um, very, very problematic. Yeah. And, and so, it. yeah, you want to have the conversation early on. And if you break up with this guy and you're dating another guy and you're struggling, you're a little worried about where it is, then, yeah, you're going to want to bring that up sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, this is love. It's always in action, you know. And so, like, if the person's not showing that they're really trying, like you said, and it's not enough to say, Oh, uh, I go to confession about it, right? And there's grace with the sacrament reconciliation. Or, oh, I heard this talk, you know, at the Steubenville conference. Yeah, you know? and, I, and I'm going to say, so no, I know, if, I know everything I need to know because I've heard. If the you're talk. not on covenant eyes, and if you don't have the blocks up, and if you don't have a flip phone after covenant eyes doesn't work for you, if you're not trying Strive or are the different programs out there, if you're not going to counseling for this, then are you really taking it serious that you want to avoid this this sin that is going to affect not only you but other people in your walk toward eternity? And if you're not going to take all those steps then it's really, I don't think the relationship's worth it. It's and just not, because you got to show the person that I'm really trying to find free, not just for you, but for for me. I need to be free from my relationship with yeah. the Lord. And so... Um, and I don't think that the girlfriends need to be the the, the recipient of the Covenant Eyes oh, report. never. You know, that, that accountability part needs to be somebody else. Yeah. And same thing with girls. I always tell girls, like, yeah. get women in your life. If you're a guy, get a dude in your life, like, to, to, to walk with you. Um, because, yeah, it's it's really important to, to show. And then the struggle is real. So, like, if you if the person is struggling, like, praise God, they're struggling. Like, at least they're putting up a fight. But the second someone's not putting up a fight at all, it's not worth it because it's it will not get better. Like, um, it's just at, not, yeah, in it's seminary, we used to better. always say, the rector would always say, as a seminarian, as a priest, and so I always tell people, as as a boyfriend, girlfriend, as a married couple, Amen. is there a sacrament of grace that comes along with it? Yes. But if you're not already putting practices in place to try to grow and strive for holiness and find freedom, then you're not going to get married and all of a sudden say, okay, well, now it's all going to get better. It's, it's just not how it works. So. It's not. You got it. Great advice, Dr. Mario. Um, Rolling. Finally. Great questions. These are phenomenal questions. I love these. I love my my, my community. I get to walk with through it's this awesome, podcast, dude. man. They they ask such good questions, and so yeah. So now we'll be praying for you, and we'll be praying for your boyfriend, um, and for your heart, and for his freedom, um, as as y'all continue to to hopefully become saints in the kingdom of heaven. All right, final question comes in. But this is so. Let me I'm stop right there because yeah. I know you say that often, and and I would say this often to the guys at the seminary that I walk that I walk walked with with this issue, is 
that God in his mystery, in his providence, allows us to suffer. Okay, we don't know why. We, we don't have answers for all of it. But the cross manifests itself in our life. Everybody, nobody's, nobody's like gets around it. I mean, it's there. It's there for us. In, in, if your boyfriend or you are struggling with porn, and this is the particular struggle, and the growth in virtue and healing to overcome this is precisely the vehicle that God uses to bring holiness into your life, well then, man, that's the mystery of grace, and that's yeah. the mystery of salvation. So we don't know, but but it's not like it's some magic trick that just it's going to, grace is going to come over us. You've said this before in your podcast, grace perfects nature. Yeah. I mean, that's St. Thomas Aquinas. Like, you got to work with it also to, to get to the other side so you can take the fruit of the resurrection. Yeah. And too, just to follow up, uh, <laughs> that freedom might not happen till purgatory, you know, but the goal is to, to strive. The goal is to never give up the struggle. Um, one of my favorite saints, and I think I mentioned him on this podcast before, I know I preached about my mass, is St. Mark Yi Tai Ching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the guy who was the opium addict. Yeah. And 30 years he struggled with, with that, um, that substance abuse. Um, but 30 years he went to mass and 30 years he prayed the rosary and 30 years he fought and and he's a canonized saint. And so um, your your struggle might become, for, for the person who's listening who struggles with pornography, it might be a lifelong struggle. It might but be. the goal is to struggle and to have hope that freedom is real and that freedom can be tasted on this side of heaven. Um, but if it happens in purgatory, praise God, it's, it's going to happen at some point. You know? And that... And that also doesn't mean that you have to go marry the person either. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't just, yeah. Your marriage is free as well, right? Exactly. I freely enter into this marriage. So last question is about another really, it's a really good question. So many people, man, NFP. Let me just say this. I know I talk about NFP a lot on the show. Um, I, I enjoy learning about the, the way the human body works and everything like that, but I, I also want to acknowledge right now, I, I get it. It's hard. I get it. It's difficult, right? Um, but again, the Lord said, pick up your cross and follow me, right? When it comes to national family planning, when it comes to Creighton, when it comes to whatever method um, you and your spouse discern that you're going to use, um, it's, I get it. It's hard. I know it's not fun. I know I'm a priest and I'm not out there having sex, but... Um, I'm happy you acknowledge that, obviously, because one of my critiques with sometimes when we talk about this is that we say, oh, 99% effective, 98% effective. It's just as easy as, as contraception. That's malarkey. Yeah. It's not just as easy. You, it, the reason that, that 95% of women or whatever it is are on birth control, well, I don't know if it's that high, but it, you know, it's, it just seems like it's that high, that the majority of America, vast majority of America are contracepting, is because it's expedient and it's easier to just take a pill or to use some barrier method to avoid pregnancy. The problem is that we trade something in for that expediency. Mm-hmm. And what we trade in is, 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 is an aspect of our humanity. And so otherwise the church is right and that sex is always oriented towards the unitive and the procreative or it's not. And, and that is, it, it's, really, it's really hard. It's really hard uh, because when you love somebody, sometimes you don't. You you, you really do want to just have the unitive aspect, um, and you want to be able to ignore the procreative. Um, but the two must always be held together because as soon as we move one, we we remove the other, and we can see that very clearly with the other conversation with porn. Porn is neither unitive nor procreative. Porn is simply about the experience, and and that type of definition of sex, I think, is has really taken over. Yeah, uh, the the culture, and that we don't even look at sex as 
as a unitive aspect. We only really look at it as as a version of some sort of recreational activity. It's just about the joy. So whether I experience the pleasure by myself or with somebody else or with three people or 15 people, it doesn't matter because I have the freedom to to, to get off however I want. Yeah. And um, that's the that's what we're that's the price that we're paying, you know, uh, by accepting a contraceptive mentality. Yeah. So recognizing that this question, let's put it in context. Keep All right, going. So let's roll. Question comes in from wife and mother. Number one, my husband and I have been married for a little over eight years and have four beautiful children, seven, five and a half, three and a half and uh, 16 months, uh, plus a couple more babies in heaven that I miscarried. God bless you. Um, God bless you. you. That's that's such a heavy cross miscarriage. So, um, yes, God bless you. My struggle comes with practicing NFP. We've always used the crate model, but I'm a yellow... Stamper, meaning my cycles aren't always as obvious. Uh, And I also have a history of of low uh, progesterone, hence the miscarriages, and have had to be on progesterone supplements for my last three pregnancies. That being said, I'm terrified of getting pregnant again. Don't get me wrong, I will be elated if I end up pregnant. I really want another baby, but due to several factors, including financial restraints, having an extremely small house, and still having low progesterone where I could end up miscarrying again. My husband and I are currently trying to avoid, and she put that in parentheses. Uh, I realize um, we don't need to have a dozen kids to make it to heaven, though um, not, there's not anything wrong with that. But I feel guilty anytime my husband and I want to be intimate, and I can't tell him I'm, if I'm fertile or not. Part of me feels like it's best for us to avoid right now, but then a part of me wonders if that's being closed off to God and not welcoming any children he has planned because obviously his plans are infinitely better than mine. I just feel this huge amount of guilt and frustration either way. We're working with our NFP coordinator to figure out my cycles, but until then, it's a lot of, well, you could have used those days, which doesn't help us after the fact, or feeling guilty that I'm disappointing my husband for having to abstain so much or worried that my attitude is disappointing God. Besides bearing my cross and continuing to meet with my NFP coordinator, do you have any advice, wife and mother? I do. God bless you. Yeah, it's a great question. Okay, so first thing I would say, practically speaking, is that Creighton method of fertility awareness or natural family planning only looks at um, the mucus signs as the metric to be able to determine a woman's fertility. Remember, a woman is only fertile seven to nine days, um, and that's really it's it's really only kind of two or three days. But you can get to seven to nine days because of the fertile mucus allows the sperm to be able to live within her for for an extended period of time. But so on, really, you're only at, only fertile seven or nine days. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to determine what your cycle is in in being able to figure out. Why? When am I fertile? When am I not fertile? So that you can make decisions about abstaining or 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 not um, with regards to to welcoming children into your family. So Creighton, that that method of uh, NFP only looks at the mucus signs. And so I would say um, certainly continue to talk with your Creighton practitioner. But at the same time, I would say maybe explore other options. Um, the symptothermal method looks at both the mucus signs as well as the basal body temperature and maybe having another metric, another another data point to, to be able to see if your, your fertility w- would help there. The third, and this would be what I, where I would really recommend, is for her to find a Marquette model uh, practitioner in her area or to go online and to do the course and to speak with somebody um, there. Because what the Marquette model does is that it, you, you buy a monitor, a fertility monitor, and then you measure 
um, through urine samples, um, uh, LH levels, and other hormonal levels, so that you have another another data point to be able to determine your fertility. So you're not just relying solely on on mucus, which is the gift of Creighton is it has a sophisticated way of being able to determine and evaluating mucus science to see if it's fertile or infertile. But if you only have that and you have a lot of that, as you're saying, then you're then I would say you have to look at other. Um, data points as well to be able to determine your fertility. So look at the Creighton, yes, but look at symptothermal methods um, and certainly look at the Marquette model, okay? So so that's that's what I would say. Having said that, um, with something like this, John Gottman, he says that in, in marriages, uh, 73% of the challenges or the arguments that couples face are what he refers to as unsolvable problems. So two-thirds, almost two-thirds of the problems that couples have are unsolvable, we can talk about mother-in-law. We can talk about NFP. We can talk about finances. We can talk about anything. They are long-standing problems that just don't have an easy answer. That's the reality. How do, the, the magic for couples that make it through those unsolvable problems is that they find ways of being able to overcome gridlock. So that's what he says is how do you overcome gridlock? So how do the two of you still maintain connection and conversation and joy and humor and friendship even in the midst of the challenges that you're facing with the uncertainty uh, in your for, in your fertility or the inability to kind of track your fertility is, is really what, what is here. So having those conversations, recognizing that this is the cross, you're carrying the cross and that you have to share that together. Now, you mentioned in, in, in the email here the two areas of disappointment that I really just kind of want to highlight. One, you said that there's a fear of disappointing your husband. So I just want to speak to that specifically. And I would say that often, in my experience as a marriage counselor, the the struggles in the bedroom are a microcosm of struggles outside of the bedroom. So if there's a place where you feel that you are having some disappointment within your husband sexually, is that spilling out into other areas in your relationship? Is that part of your dynamic that just genuinely you carry a lot of guilt and feel like you're disappointing him in other aspects of your life? If that's the case, I would strongly encourage you to meet with a therapist or to find somebody to really be able to talk to or being able to express that to him. And if you can express that to him and he can receive that and speak to you and say, no, honey, you're not disappointing me. We have made this decision, you know, whatever guilt it's you're carrying, please, I ask you to let it go. If he says that to you and he loves you in that way, then the duty is for you to actually be able to believe him and to receive that and to let go of that guilt. So one of two things there, otherwise you are, he is, relational dynamics, take care of that. Otherwise for yourself, speak to him, be honest with him about what your heart is feeling. And if he speaks the truth to you, receive that truth. Same thing when it comes to God. She said that she's Mm -hmm. fear of, of disappointing God. Similarly, listen, the church, when it says about uh, grave reasons, doesn't lay out any any criteria. There's no kind of checklist. And the reason that there's no checklist is because every couple has to be able to make the decisions for themselves as to whether or not we can welcome more kids into our home. That is an individual decision. The, the gift of marriage is that life, marriage is a, is a lifelong vocation. It's your path to holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is my will conforming to God's will. That means your will is part of the process. That means your intelligence, your capacity to be able to make decisions is part of God-given freedom that he's given to you, that he honors and desires. So if you and your husband have made the decision that right now we can't have more kids because of all the circumstances you spoke about, then if you've brought that to spiritual direction and your director is on board with you, then you have to accept that you've made a decision and that God is blessing that decision. He's blessing your faculties, your freedom, your capacity to choose and, and, and honor that. 
because what you're speaking about is is awesome. There's a certain reverence when it comes to raising kids or having kids that we're not supposed to be kind of willy-nilly about. There's a recognition that fertility is heavy, and it would be easier to just use some type of um, barrier method or artificial contraception to remove that from the equation. But as I said earlier, you then pay a price in the relationship. You pay a price in your integrity, in, in your conviction, in your desire to want to live a holy and happy life. So um, carry your cross well, look at different methods, continue to talk to your husband, and wrestle with whatever areas of guilt or disappointment that you're experiencing, and, and lay that before the Lord so that you can experience his tender love and mercy. Amen. Oh, man. Anointed. Holy Spirit, brother, right? Um, yeah, and just Come to follow up, um, a, a prayer that we prayed on the show before, but that I think is always helpful to recite is, God, help me to see myself the way that you see me. God, help me um, help me to know myself the way that you know me. God, help me to love myself the way that you love me, to constantly um, go back to the gaze of the Father, to receive his gaze, to receive the Father's blessing um, in the midst of everything that we're going through. Because right now, this is certainly a very real storm that you're walking in right now. Um, but whenever we're in the storm, we're, we're invited by Jesus to always like, orient our gaze to him and be completely honest with him in prayer in the way that we pray will affect the way that we are able to relate with your spouse outside of prayer. And you'll be able to um, share at a deeper level with him your thoughts, feelings, and desires because of that which is happening in the interior life. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I think of the Merton prayer, you know, where it ends that even my desire to please you does mm. in fact please you. Mm-hmm. That That's what's happening here, that your yeah. desire to please your husband, your desire to please God does in fact please God. Amen. So rest with that. That's cool. Was it? We have in the studio right now, Jen Settle right now. Jen Settle is a consecrated virgin. TOB um, Institute represent. TOB. We got everybody uh, coming in the Christ. show today. Uh, but it, was it you and I, Jen, yesterday, or was it someone else that I was talking to about the Thomas Merton prayer? Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Sweet. I love Jen. She's awesome. We love Jen. We love Jen Settle. Shout out to all the consecrated virgins. Amen. Um, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. All right. So that, that wraps up for today's show. Mark, how can our listeners stay in touch with you and walk with you toward eternity? Hey, amen. Uh, pray for me, first and foremost, is what I would say. So uh, I would ask for that. Second thing is uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Dr. Mario Sacasa, D-R-M-A-R-I-O-S-A-C-A-S-A. Dr. Mario Sacasa. Yeah. Find me on Facebook, Instagram. Or if you loved what I've had to contribute here to the Ask Father Josh podcast, please listen to my show. Always hope with Dr. Mario. You can find it anywhere you like your Do podcasts. you travel? Do you do conferences? Do you speak at parishes? I do. All of the above. Yes. I have bags and will travel. So I'm awesome. happy to come to your parish or your diocese to give a marriage retreat or give a lecture about dating or uh, prayer or, um, or hope. Based on our friendship, would you ever come to my parish for like a very um, cheap cost? Yes, I would. Because we're friends? For our friendship, yeah, absolutely. Yes, so you've heard— I'm not putting that out for everybody, but— Yeah, (laughs) you heard on my podcast, so whenever he comes, know that it's cheap. Um, No, all right, but this is great. It's been a great gift to have you on the show today. Uh, Your advice is so anointed, man. Like You just have a gift for relationships. And so uh, let's just finish up in prayer today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, you, um, you know us, you know everything about us, and you care about everything that we carry in our heart. You care about our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires, and you love us. I ask that you give all of us the graces that we need to continually, daily abide in your love 
at all times, like not just abide in your love whenever we have our like our consistent intentional prayer time, but to abide in your love at all times in the day when we're struggling, when things are going really well, when things are going really bad, whenever we have to make decisions and discernment and just, Lord, I just ask that you give us the grace to abide, to abide in our relationship with you, to abide in your gaze, to abide in your everlasting love that you have for us so that we can experience that love and share that love, not only with you, with the people that you allow us to accompany toward heaven. Help us to become saints who are fixed on your love, Father. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, I can't wait to continue walking with y'all toward eternity. I will see y'all next week. Pray for me. I'll be on silent retreat, but we're going to put some shows in the can so while I'm on retreat, we can continue to accompany each other. God bless.